Well, good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord again, and we missed you if you weren't at the beach, and if you want to know who went to the beach, it's kind of written all over our faces, and so, uh, but it was a great time, a wonderful time to be together and share as a family. We're going to do uh, more f- uh, family sharing together this Wednesday night. Don't miss that. Uh, we're going to have our luau, and uh, it just it's always a good time. Bring, bring the neighborhood kids, if you can legally do that. I don't know. We'll check with our lawyers, but uh, bring them all. We're going to have slides, uh, water slides, two big ones that they'll enjoy. Yes, sir. Well, it starts at 5, but sometimes you guys don't get here till 5.30, so uh, we'll work that. I think it's scrolling on the TVs and all that. I think it says 5 on there, So, and uh, we'll go as the sun goes down, and then you'll be like, I'm getting cold, and you'll want to leave, but we'll have a great time. Uh, actually, it's going to warm up a little bit, isn't it? I, that's what I've heard, so we'll just trust that and uh, look forward to bring bring that side dish and or, and Lynn goes, and or, and or, uh, and, <laughs> you know, maybe a salad or a side dish, and then we got the pulled pork. It was really good. Last year, it's going to be good this year, so we're looking forward to that, uh, having a great time together. So, um, hey, what are you afraid of? Just rhetorical. Just think about it. <laughs> what, are you, what are you afraid of? You know, you ever had anybody ask you that? What are you, what are you so afraid of? You know, uh, don't, don't be afraid. How often have you heard those kind of words in your lifetime? Our, our parents, they, they used to whisper to us in certain times. They'd whisper those words to us. Don't, don't be afraid. Of thunder, boy, in the Midwest, whoo, man, it would come in and it would rattle the windows and, and the whole house would shake a little bit, kind of like an earthquake, but it was actually thunder. And, and we'd say, don't, don't be afraid of the thunder, it's okay. They'd fear the tornado, but they wouldn't fear the thunder, but it, was, it all meant something was coming. Don't fear the darkness, our parents would say. Branches, how about branches scraping against something in the, in the black of night? My, my son's room was at the corner of our house in the upstairs, and we had this big old downspout that went right outside his window, and there was a big uh, thorn bush that would grow up next to it, and at night it would go. <laughs> it's like somebody trying to get in your window, and it used to drive him crazy. He knew it was nothing. He knew it was the, the, that crazy uh, uh, Bush, you know, that would scratch, but, but, but you know, stuff like that. You know, branches scraping against the window. How, don't be afraid of striking out on the ball field or flunking your physics exam. But you will have to take it over if you flunk it. But, but you don't have to worry, especially if you study. What you sow, you reap. So if you study, you probably won't flunk it. But don't worry about that. Don't be concerned. Or, or, or your driver's test. What if I don't? Remember when you're 15 and a half? Going out on that driver's test, you know, and, and all the pressure of everybody that's gone before you, and they all passed, and what if you don't, you know? You can take it again. I took it when I was 15 and a half, on a, and, and on a, not on a motorcycle, but did it the car, and I was able to, they let me at 15 and a half ride a motorcycle all over Orange County. Can you imagine? I just couldn't do it past dark. 15 and a half on my way, on my way out of the testing area. Uh, my brother was with me on his bike, and I pulled up, and there was a car, and on the side it said, Student driver. <laughs> I drove up and bumped the bumper with my, with my tire. Bonk. And it was like everybody went like that, and we took off and got out of there. But I was just ornery, just ornery. Fifteen and a half and has no business doing being out there like that. But it was the whole world was now my playground. And, you know, don't worry about it, though. Don't worry about it. They get out of the car. Hey, don't worry about it. Just a tire. <laughs> I'm going away. What are the things that scare us? Don't be afraid. I'm here for you. You're going to be all right. I love you. Stop worrying. Don't be anxious. They are wonderful words that, are, that words that are spoken by a loved one or someone that we really respect. Uh, I'm here for you. Don't be afraid. 
I remember the first time that I wrecked my dad's car. Uh, <clears throat> I was afraid for many reasons. <laughs> One, I, I had never been in a wreck before, so I didn't know what this was going to be like, and, and uh, it happened very quickly. And, and, and then, two, I was worried that my dad would wreck me when, when he got to me. And I was young and inexperienced, and I just didn't know what to expect. And it was my fear of the unknown. You ever had that? Like, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what this new life is going to be like. What, you know, when we're older, if we lose a spouse, then what will that be like? I don't know what that's like. And so the fear of the unknown. I was young and very inexperienced. I didn't know what, what to think about all that. The guys that I ran into, they were more concerned about the four surfboards that were up on top of their car than they were about the car. And I think they had more money sitting on top of the car than on the wheels. But I remember after I had my, I made my way over to a residence and asked to use their phone because we didn't have those cell phones back then, right? We had to go knock on someone's door. Can I use your phone? And uh, she could look out her house and go, yes, you can. Get in here, you know. And I'll never forget the comforting words of my mom after she answered the phone. And, and, or after, actually, they, they came right over. I, I told them, hey, I've been in a wreck. And they came straight over. And, and uh she, she greeted, I, I greeted her with, I'm really sorry, I'm sorry, Mom, I'm so sorry. And, and she said, don't worry about it, Rob, are you okay? I'll never forget those words, are you okay? That's what really matters, she said, that's all that I care about, are you okay? And it brought that kind of peace and that warmth that I needed right at that moment. I made sure to keep her between me and my dad. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Thank you, Mom. Right out there on Beach Boulevard. All by myself, I felt afraid, alone and scared. And, but when don't worry about it shows up and just wants to make sure that you're okay, well, that kind of love and care, it brings peace to our lives, does it not? It does. The shootings of this last weekend, once again, are what are on the hearts and the minds of so many. How tragic and senseless it is when individuals, regardless of their reasons or their purposes, in their hearts they desire to kill and to murder and to bring fear to people of our cities and our nations, even the world that we live in. And the news media doesn't help. Of course, they jump right on it and immediately are selling fear and worry and the sides and the different issues. And at the very worst, they sell that. And at the very best, they're trying to convey concern and light to a problem that we face in this uh, world that we live in. My first ever church play when I was a little kid, I was about seven, and when that moment came in that play, I stood right at the platform at the North Long Beach Church of the Nazarene, and I stepped up to the microphone, and I proclaimed these words that, that, that the angel spoke to the shepherds who were abiding in their fields, watching over their flocks by night, and it says that in that passage that the angel came and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. We hear it at Christmas all the time, and it says what? It says that they were afraid. In fact, it says that they were sore afraid. We probably don't really know what sore afraid means, but it means really afraid. So the moment came and I proclaimed, I stepped up, I said, fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And can I say to you this morning, when you are worried, when you're concerned, when you're, you know how we kind of freak out about what's going on in our world, when, when those things are heavy on you, you're concerned, not knowing what is next, fear not. For we bring good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. We can count on that when our boat's rocking, when the waves are crashing over. We can count on that. The word this morning, our text, reminds us of what kind of heart and mind we must have to approach our fears, the things that scare us the most. And reading from Luke 12, 32 through 34, let's stand this morning for the reading of God's word. Luke 12, 32 through 34, it simply says, Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, little flock. 
for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity and make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We, we, we agree with it together. Even when our boat is being rocked and we don't know where to turn, we're not sure what's ahead of us, and, and the world's falling apart and it makes us worried and concerned and even fearful, Lord. We say thanks be to God for your word. We give you thanks, Lord. Pin it to our hearts. Open our, our, our understanding today. It's not difficult, but when fear's in the way, it's very difficult for your word to get in. So, Lord, open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I searched on Google this week. Uh, for the top things that scare us the most. You know, that's where you can find all those kinds of things or, or the things that make us most fearful or afraid. And one particular Google result gave some pretty straightforward top 10 types of things that bring fear into our lives. They are as follows. They go like this. Number one, death. Number one, it still ranks right up there. Death seems to be the number one thing that brings most fear to most people in the day that we live. Even Christians at times, I mean, we have a peace about that. We, we know that God has our lives in his control. He numbers our days. He numbers the hairs on our heads, and they're getting fewer and fewer, but, but he, he knows what number they are, and, and, uh, but death is still number one uh, amongst people. Number two is just Justin Bieber music, number two. <laughs> that, that's what popped up. It was uh, right after death was Justin Bieber music, and uh, I don't know, have you heard it? It's scary. <laughs> no, it's not all that bad, but I think this one was just thrown in there just to make sure that we're staying awake, but uh, number two, Justin Bieber. Number three was the unknown, as we've talked about a little bit. The unknown, don't know what's coming, don't know what it's like to get in a wreck, and now I do, and now what do I do? I got to call who? Mom and dad. <laughs> get them over here, because they'll help. They'll know what to do. It's really about control. And the what-ifs in life, we want, to, we want to know what's coming. We don't want to be T-boned in life, and yet that happens. And we want to be able to navigate our own direction in life. So the unknown is somewhat paralyzing to us. It, it scares us a little bit. Number four is still the dark. How about the dark? Do you like the dark? You like walking through the dark at night? Do you like that? Come on. I mean pitch black. You ever been in that? I mean, we, we can get it up here. Of course, we have a Walmart now, and it's shining its light all over the city, right? But, but hey, it, you know, if you want, you can go out to Bear Valley. Or it's super dark out there unless the, the moon's out. But it, this is usually a childhood fear. But for many, the darkest still brings a sense of uneasiness and not knowing what is out there, what, what, what might be coming, what will happen with what I don't know about. So many still leave the lights on. Think about that. Do you still leave the lights on? Come on, man. I mean, you don't have to say it, but sometimes we... We, we leave the one on the porch. It, it stays on in case somebody needs to come up. But, uh, yeah, do you, you like just turning all the lights off? Sometimes Lynn says, turn the TV off. <laughs> There's, it's a light, you know. Turn that thing off. So the dark, it still ranks up there. Number five, serious. It, it, it's a scary thing for, for many. It's being sexually assaulted. This is, it's a very debilitating and horrific event in the lives of some. And on the site that was posted, there were 26 stories that were expressed of the fear that has overshadowed the lives of those who have gone through such a painful and horrific event and happening. And it's very difficult to get over and something that's taken from you. And so it ranked number five. Number six is not going to heaven. How about that? Not going to heaven or conversely going to hell. It made number six on the top ten list. 
That's hard to imagine. Interesting that the fear of not going to heaven has made its way to that spot. It, 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 when I was growing up, it was number one. <laughs> I, I worried about that every, every night. Uh, I wasn't just laying me down to sleep. It was like, oh, dear Lord, dear Lord, if you come while I'm sleeping. You know, I, just, I grew up with kind of a fear like that all the time. It was a wrongly placed fear, but it was a fear nonetheless. It's not a popular message in the culture in the day that we live it. And most preachers, they won't even talk about it. They don't talk about heaven and hell these days because there's so many that don't even believe in, in hell anymore. In fact, there's one survey some years ago. It indicated this. 58% of Methodists, 60% of Episcopalians, 54% of Presbyterians, 35% of American Baptists, and 22% of American Lutherans deny that hell is a specific place after death. Can you imagine that? Most today just deny whatever scares them. Whatever I don't believe that. I don't believe that a, a loving God would send anybody to hell and get it right out of context. And I can't imagine that. Why, why, why would he do that, this loving God? So we deny it. It's not real. It doesn't exist. We should be aware of today that there is a real heaven to gain and a real hell to shun. And that's not meant to scare. It's meant to warn us and to call us to the feet of Jesus. Needless to say, hell scares people, and it, it made number six on the top ten list. Number seven was loved ones dying. We don't know when it's going to happen. Sometimes it's a result of something tragic, or sometimes it's just a long, drawn-out process, and we don't like it. We don't want it to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but number seven made that list, loved ones dying. We don't like it when it happens. What's it going to be like after my spouse isn't with me or my, my, my children doesn't outlive me? What's going to happen? And those sort of things still scare us, and it makes number seven. Number eight is being embarrassed in front of a large group of people. And that's not what's going on here this morning. Uh, you know, it's just, that's a sunburn. But, but you know, there, there, there you go. Something that those who stand and speak before people can relate to. Number eight seems to be rooted in ego or at least the desire to save face. We really do not like to be embarrassed and we don't like to be laughed at. We like to be laughed with, not laughed at. Isn't that true for most of us? Number nine is being hurt by a person you love someone that you care deeply about. Far too many have been through the pain and anguish of being hurt by a family member, a husband or a wife. This, this kind of fear and pain makes it, its way to number nine on the top ten list of things that we fear most. There's no pain quite like the pain of being hurt by someone that we love so deeply. And that's a fear for many. Number ten is simply this, pain. We fear pain. Most of us cringe at the idea of pain, especially dental pain. Nothing quite like the sound of the dentist drill. Some of you are just going, oh. It's often the fear, once again, of the unknown. Will this hurt terribly, not knowing how the surgery will go or how long it will hurt, or will I feel it while it's happening? It's like, oh, yeah, I feel that. Do you feel that? Yeah, yeah, stop asking me and just fix that, you know? Today there are those who have a great fear and sense of loss of control when considering the idea of pain. But I still think it's Justin Bieber music that's the scariest on the list, but uh, 
but that's just a personal thing. You know, when I was a kid, we'd be out in the field and we'd be playing kickball and, and, and uh, you know, we'd be hitting that thing and all over. And it's kind of like baseball but with a foot and a kickball. Did anybody play that when you're a kid? I don't know if they still do it. And, uh, and, and sometimes it, the ball would go out and it, it kind of land and, man, we thought it was in. They thought it was out. And we thought it was in. They thought it was out. And somewhere along the way, we'd get into the argument. It's a really, really intellectual argument out there on the playground. And somebody would say, it was out. And we'd go, afraid not. And they'd go, afraid so. And we'd go, afraid not. And they'd go, afraid so. And we'd go, afraid not. And we, our teachers must have thought, these poor challenged children. I don't know what in the world. Because it would go on and on and on for, for moments at a time. And, and it seemed like it would last forever. And I was always wondered if, if there was anyone was going to finally say, well, okay, you're right, afraid not. That never really happened. No. Somebody had to say, do over. Remember the do-overs? We just have to do it over because we're never going to agree. That might not be a bad idea for today, don't you think? Since we can't agree on anything, we just do over. We're living right now during a time that to me it seems more fearful than even during some of the wars that our country's been in. You see, during the country's wars that we've had, you knew who, our, who, who the enemy was. Uh, the, they were in distant lands and their ideologies and actions were adverse to the ideas of freedom and peace and this nation sent its soldiers to deal with those threats and today we don't have quite wars like that. We have war of words. The war of words. There are people who feel that they, they should get out of their cars on the freeway and pummel one another for having cut one another off. Have you seen those? I thought, why, why would anybody want to beat on one another? If you watch YouTube for very long or any of the other news outlets, you'll see people that look as though they wish to kill one another. And it's even happened out there over the words that were said to each other out on the highway. Our very own government cannot function for the war of the parties between parties and, and the war of words within the political dysfunction. Most have forgotten that what they went to Washington to do in the first place, and that's to serve others. And to be quite honest, it hits home for us for we often feel that our Sabbath is a place to espouse our political frustrations and to attempt in convincing others of our agenda, our personal political agenda. And if you don't mind, I'd just like to reassert this, that the church, this place, the church, the house of God, this place that we meet in is a place for all people, for all ideas, for all those that seek God, whether Democrat or Republican or independent, gay, straight, high or sober, regardless of whatever brokenness any of us carry, we call this place, this room that we sit in, a sanctuary, and there is not a person, whether young or old, male or female, confused about which one he or she is, whether on this side of the border or that side of the border, that should ever have to endure a political debate while attempting to worship the one true living God. Amen. The answer to all of our world's social ills is in the personhood of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And it is He that we should be sharing when we come together in this place. I don't have a good idea about the government. It seems as dysfunctional as us on the playground saying, Say, afraid so, afraid not, afraid so, afraid not. Our Lord, it is He that 
we should be sharing and talking about as we gather together. Even us together, we'll never agree on everything, but we sure agree on the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And with that, we should uplift one another and love one another. We should never fight, ever. Those other debates just bring fear and frustration and anger and angst between us and the world's watching. In this morning's text, Jesus says to disciples, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why are we so worked up about any of these things other than we have a passion for those who can't fend for themselves and those who are persecuted and under the, the, the boot of, of any kind of uh, ideology that uh, doesn't allow them to express themselves or to, to find their way to, to God, we would feel that way as a people. Now, besides our parents' voices, where have we heard those words before? Do not be afraid. You see, in the Bible alone, we hear them over 50 times from the Lord speaking to Abram in Genesis to the book of Revelation. We hear them over and over and over again. It seems to be one of God's favorite things to say, do not be afraid. In the verses right before our gospel message this morning, Jesus, he instructed his disciples not to worry about food or clothes, that they should consider how well God takes care of the birds and the flowers and the grass, and he tells them to not be anxious about such things, but to set their minds on God's kingdom, and the rest will come to them as well if we'll first think of his kingdom. If the disciples are going to continue to follow him, they have no reason to worry about the things that they need. They are to not fret about their lives, their food, or their clothes. Think about it. He tells them about how well God cares for the birds and, and, and the flowers. And then he says to stop your worrying. Quit worrying about it all. Quit spending so much of your time fussing about these things. Instead, he says, set your hearts on the kingdom and these other things will come along just fine. Then in the gospel for today, Jesus steps it up a notch. He, he repeats that they don't need to be afraid since it gives their father great pleasure to hand over to them the kingdom. He wants to hand us the kingdom. And he goes on to say, sell what you have. Give to those who need it more than you and focus your lives on the things that do not rot the things that moths eat. What kind of things, what kind of thoughts does that kind of scripture bring to your mind today? Deep down in our less than stellar spiritual moments, we might hear that voice that says, if, you, if, you give, if I give what I have to those that are in need, I might become one of those that are in need. What then? What then, Jesus? Who's going to take care of me Then? Can you, hear just see, can you just hear Jesus now? Haven't you been listening, he, he might say, like if, you were, if you're actually one of his disciples? <laughs> Haven't you been hearing what I'm saying? I told you that God will take care of your needs. And, and since you won't have, the, uh, have to be fussing around, worrying about such things, you can attend to the work of the kingdom, his kingdom work. You won't be fighting with one another so you can spend your time working on God's kingdom work. You know, like loving people, serving children and their families, bringing the good news to those who don't know about Jesus yet, feeding and clothing and bringing his word to the hungry, the naked, the biblically illiterate, you know, the work of the kingdom. And in the first part of Luke 12, 
The very chapter that we are in, in the first part, Jesus, he tells a parable. And it's about a rich man whose land was really very productive. He considers building bigger barns, larger ones, so that he can store up the provisions uh, that he has. Many years worth, so he can eat, drink, and be merry. And God says to him, you fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. He says, and then who will own what you have prepared? We spend all of our lives storing it up, not knowing when it will be given to someone else when he calls our name. In Luke 12, Jesus says this, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about it. Uh, it, it says, uh, don't, don't, don't be worried, take no thought of, or do not be anxious about your life. The things that we get concerned most over as, as to what you will eat nor, uh, or for your body as to what you will put on it. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, he says, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds, he says, and which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan? We can't add one one iota of time to our life. He knows the numbers of our days. And us fighting about it together, it won't fix anything either. You see, for those who are Christ followers, moving from fear to trust is to have less concern for what we have as our own possessions. And if those possessions are what we are most concerned about, to move from fear to trust is to sell them off. All those possessions, give to the poor and and give to the needy, give it to the charity. It it is to sell those possessions and give to the poor, those that are in need, give it to charity. If, If it is to put our energies towards his kingdom come, that we are to consider what is being stored up in heaven where no thief nor moth can destroy, if that's what's most on our minds, if it plagues us, the things that we have and that we got to take care of, get rid of them. Find out what it means to have peace, to, to work in the kingdom of God and give things away and see what happens in the lives of others. There's a folktale about a king whose son was always sad. He's just a sad young man, and no matter what his father did for him, no matter what the good things happened to him, he was always sad. And the king loved his son deeply, and he became so despondent that he vowed to do whatever was necessary to make his son happy and appreciate all that he had. They didn't have cell phones back then, so he couldn't give him one of those, you know, to make him truly happy. It's just momentarily, isn't it? Because then you need the next new one, right? This one doesn't work anymore. Have every phone hadn't done that to you? This is so awesome. This is amazing. This is great. About a year later, you go, I, I hate this thing. It won't work. Got to get the new one. So the king's son was always sad. So the king called a meeting of his advisors, and after, after much discussion and consultation, uh, which got them nowhere, they couldn't figure out what to do with the sad young man. One of them, a very wise man, he took the king aside and he told him that there was a solution. The solution was to dress his son in a shirt of a man who was happy. He'd find a man that was happy, truly happy, and he would ask for his shirt, and he would put that shirt on his son, and that would make his son happy forever. You're thinking, that's ridiculous. Just stay with me. So the king, he set out on a journey and to find the man who was truly happy so that he might obtain his shirt and pass it along to make his son happy. And he entered a village and he was told of a priest that was thought to be quite happy and content. 
And the king found the priest and he asked him if he would accept a position as bishop if it were given to him. The priest quickly said, yes, I'll be a DS. I want to be a DS, right? You know, he's like, yeah, I want to do that. The king thanked the priest but left at once, knowing that if the priest were truly happy and content with his life, he would not have wanted that position. So he traveled to a foreign country where he met another king and asked him what made him so happy. Why, he said, I have everything I could possibly want. But to tell you the truth, he went on, he says, I worry all the time about someone might come and take it, take all that I've worked for. Again, the king saw that this was not truly a happy man and a content man. Finally, he came to the poor farmer working in his modest vineyard, and he was singing, and he had the biggest smile on his face, and the king greeted him and asked him what made him so happy. The man replied, spreading his arms on display of the, the vineyard, that he had everything he could possibly want in life. And then the king asked if he would come to his castle where he would never want for anything for the rest of his life, and the man refused saying that there was nothing in the whole world that could make him happier nor take him away from his beloved farm. The king was thrilled. For at last he had found a truly happy man and his son would be saved now. He asked the man for a favor and the man told him that he would give the king anything that he wanted. The king then asked him for his shirt so that he could give it to his son. And then the man opened up his jacket and the king saw that the truly happy and content man was not wearing a shirt. He wasn't wearing a shirt. It's not like the, unsto- uh, the, the, the uh, unlike the story of the businessman. There was a businessman. He was visiting a beautiful tropical island, and upon seeing a fisherman out there, could have been Toby. Did you see Toby pulling in all those fish? That's something else. Toby and uh, Mallory, I think, they were the best ones there, weren't they? I don't know. He saw this fisherman, he's uploading a modest catch of fish, and he asked him if he was, what he was going to do with the rest of his day. He says, I will sit with my family, I will talk with my children, spend time with my wife, and then I'll cook supper. The businessman told him that he ought to hire some men to help him. Why, the fisherman asked. Well, you could catch more fish, he replied. But why would I want to catch more fish? So that you could make more money and buy more boats. But why do I need more boats? So that you can have other people do the fishing for you. And why would I want to have other people do the fishing for me? Well, so that you could sit with your family and talk with your children and spend time with your wife and, oh. And the businessman, he walked away kind of reevaluating his own life while the fisherman took his catch to the market and spent the rest of his day sitting with his family, talking with his children, and spending time with his wife, and then cooking a meal. Jesus told us, he said to us, where our treasure is, there our hearts will also be. And it appears that he was talking about the fundamental orientation of our lives. What is the most important thing to us You can say it either way. Uh, To some, it makes more sense to say it backwards. Where your heart is, there your treasure will also be. I I thought he was trying to say, he was saying that our money would follow our heart's desire. Put your money where your heart is. I I suppose that may be true also, but it's not what Jesus said. He he was saying to us that the money 
that the money goes towards something first and then our heart will follow. These words have special significance in the early church. Get your life in order. Rely on God for the things that you need. Give yourself an attitude adjustment because Jesus is coming again and you better be ready. We just don't know when. It has a lot more weight than a bumper sticker that was showing up a number of years ago. It said, Jesus is coming back. Look busy. A better bumper sticker would read, Jesus is coming. Don't be afraid. Sell what you have. Give to the poor. Put your wealth where you want your heart to be. Put your wealth where you want your heart to be. It'll require a little more than your bumper. It'll require a little more than our Sunday morning offerings. It's not just about Sunday morning offering. It's a lifestyle, a way of doing life where we seek to bless others. Where's your heart this morning? What kind of treasure is it uncovering? Perhaps the kingdom of God is giving us, that God is giving us is reflected in what we are giving to God. Did you get that? Perhaps the kingdom that God is giving us is reflected in what we are giving to God. And I'm not talking money. If money is your treasure, then yes, <clears throat> your money. But what is your kingdom of God? Romans 14 helps us a little with this. It says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in our brother's way. Why do I not do some of the things that I can do if I want? I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to get in your way. Verse 14 says, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean. Speaking of the meat. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is, it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, if because of food, if because of fill in the blank, your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him whom Christ has died for. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, he says, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. You want to see the kingdom of God enter into this place? Then our conversations are going to center around the pursuit of the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. There it is, the kingdom that the Father has gladly given to us to put aside all that is mine, all that my idea, what I think should happen my big thoughts, my big ideas about the world in which we live, what I think about who's doing what and how, to sell off anything that gets in the way of our peace together. And to invest into the kingdom things. 
He calls it an unfailing treasure in heaven. The world that we're living in is kind of falling apart these days. It's, it's tearing itself in half by fighting over things that we will never, it'll never be fixed by government or corporations. His kingdom, our Lord's kingdom will come through people who find their treasure in where their heart is. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where's our treasure today? Quite often it's the first thing that comes out of our mouths. You see, some children are afraid of the dark and some parents fear for their children's future. Some Christians are afraid of death and some are afraid, of, afraid to face the future, expecting some tragedy to, to strike. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I don't have to fix the world. I don't have to fix your world. I just need to work in his kingdom come. His will be done. The only way to overcome our fears is to turn to God and to remember that God is the stronghold of our lives. And we do well to repeat these words from Hebrews 13.6. We say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. We can also reread and repeat the words of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When we ask for God's help and look to his word, we can trust that the Lord will be our stronghold. Would you stand with me? I wonder if this morning, just standing where we are, what does your kingdom come look like? Is it riddled with fear and misplaced trust? Spending a lot of time on the things that will deteriorate. The word would say, store up your treasure in heaven today. Do not be afraid. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder if we'd like to pray this morning. We can do that right where we stand. Perhaps our passion for the frustrations of the world have gotten in the way. And once again, we need to say, search me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Anything that gets in the way of the peace that you want to bring as we build one another up in this house. We can surrender that to God today. As I pray, you pray too. Lord Jesus, you have told us not to be afraid to give away what we have and rely on the Father for everything. You had to know that this would be a difficult commandment for us, especially those of us who have trusted mainly in ourselves and the money and possessions that we've acquired through our own hard work. Lord, we sometimes find it difficult to say, all things come from you, O Lord. Help us not to dismiss your words as naive or as a message meant for others, but instead help us to see where it is that we put our treasure and where our heart follows. May we choose wisely where we put our money and our talents and our time. And may these be used more and more for the sake of your kingdom come and your will be done. We give thanks for your faithfulness to each of us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. God bless. You are dismissed. See you Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen.